Welcome to episode 32 of the Empowered by Design podcast. And do I have a treat for you today? Today, I will be bringing you a conversation with one of my fellow wellness entrepreneurs, Dr. Maggie Landis. She is a guest on this podcast, on this episode of the podcast today. And Maggie and I are co-members of this amazing collection of entrepreneurs in, a, in the wellness space, in the group coaching program, Unstuck Entrepreneurs with Sean Miner. We call ourselves biz besties because we all have a very connected, shared, similar passion for empowering people, empowering women and everyone to live life to the best of their ability and to do so with joy and passion and purpose and vision. We all come together in this collective space with different backgrounds, different experiences, different perspectives, and it is an amazing opportunity for, has been amazing for me to open my eyes and learn new things, to share my perspective, and I'm inviting you to do that with us today. So today, I encourage you to open your minds, your bodies, your hearts, your souls, your spirits to this fun conversation with Dr. Maggie Landis, and we are calling it Trash the Scale, Use Your List, and you will find out why when you keep tuning in throughout this episode as to where that comes from. And I am going to, in a, in a moment or two, read for you a little bio of, of Dr. Maggie so that you know a little bit about her, but we also get into that throughout our conversation. So just a little bit of kind of description of what this was. We actually tried something new. Last week we are both we both use the same podcast platform and I said um you know I like to try new things. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago I recorded an episode um not live but I recorded it from the beach on my phone and did it right in in the app without using my microphone and just kind of said, oh, I'm going to try and see what happens. There's also a feature where we can actually go live in our platform and then the, the, um, the, it's recorded so that we can upload it as an episode. So that is what I'm doing. Neither of us had ever done it before. So we talked probably a little bit about some technical stuff as we go. If you hear any of that, I'm just so excited. I, I said to Maggie, have you tried this? And she said, no, I've never tried it. And I said, well, we're both kind of renegades and we like to try new things. So let's do it. And she said, let's do it. So we did, and I'm going to bring that conversation to you. Another caveat I wanted to um, say about the podcast is that I it was recorded last week when, if you've heard any of the, if you've ever heard last week's episode or follow me on social media, then you know that I was home for the past two weeks with COVID in my COVID um, quarantine. I'm better. I'm out. I've <laughs> broken out of quarantine. I'm back in the real world, fully recovered and feeling wonderful and, and much more connected to others now. Um, this episode was recorded at home in my quarantine suite. I'm calling it my COVID suite. Um, so that's, that's there too. Uh, and so I'm so excited to bring you this this episode, again, I invite you to listen with an open mind and to really tune into your reactions, to body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit as you're listening and um, reach out to either one of us if you have questions or comments or anything that you want to ask or say about the episode and what we talk about. I'm so excited. I will be back next week with a solo episode and cannot wait to connect with you again next week. But without further ado, I'm going to talk to you and tell you about our, our special guest, Maggie Landis. And then please stay tuned for this really fun, really fun chat with her. Maggie Landis is a board certified physician, public health nutritionist, and anti-diet wellness expert. 
she created her signature Get Eatfluenced coaching program to help women who are exasperated with chronic dieting be able to fix their food overwhelm and live a full and unrestricted life, pursuing their personal passions and attain optimal health without the distraction of rigid eating behavior. She is also the creator and host of the Eat Fluencer podcast, where she and her guests dig into the mindset work required to construct a healthy, complete, and high-quality life unlimited by the oppression of diet culture. That is Dr. Maggie Landis. So thank you for joining. Stay tuned for this fun episode. Welcome to the podcast, Empowered by Design. I'm your host, Dr. Liz, a licensed psychologist and owner of Visionistas by Design Wellness Boutique in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. This podcast is about the power of connection and a proactive approach to mental health and overall wellness. It's about finding and owning your power right now and using it for good by nurturing the connection of body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. Empowered by Design podcast delivers psychological concepts and practical strategies with a real-life approach. Designed to empower health and wellness, optimal performance, authentic connection with yourself and others, and purposeful, joyful living. Be well. Live empowered. Dream design deliver. So let's get right into the, the this podcast. I want today welcome and thank you so so much, Maggie, Dr. Maggie Landis, um, for joining me today and being a guest on the Empowered by Design podcast. I am Dr. Liz. I'm a licensed psychologist, life and love coach as well. And we're going to talk today about a couple of different things. How we met and how we came together is really part of like the, our soul connection, our heart connection too, of empowering women to live a life full of joy and balance and confidence and just feeling good in life. And so... Um, so we're going to get into all that, and I want to hear about your work and where we can find you and all the th wonderful things you, you're doing. And I must say just right off the bat that you have been such a an inspiration for me, a mentor, even though we're in the same coaching group. So I kind of give away how we met, but we'll talk more about it. <laughs> but so I just I thank you for for that, for your your energy and your just trailblazing personality to to not only try new things push push like forward with um your mission your vision and also really 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 helping other people along the way and caring about other people's journey as well in this space of of entrepreneur and wellness. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I appreciate you saying that. I have a lot of respect for the work you do too. And um, I feel the same way. I don't think that we met by accident. I think it was supposed to be this way. So I'm glad that we are, you know, connected um, and sort of serving the same audience. Yeah. So I'm going to pause and let you kind of just tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do. Um, give us the Maggie, the Dr. Maggie Landis um, you know, introduce us to, to you. Right. Well, what I do now, this is better if I work backwards, you know, you don't want to hear like my whole story, but, um, I work now exclusively in this anti-diet wellness space and I'm a diet culture disruptor, change maker, speaker, educator. I'm all in to help, uh, people, women specifically and middle-aged women even more specifically like disassociate this sort of conditioning we have that we have to micromanage our bodies and we have to spend all of our personal resources for our whole entire lives doing that 
shift mm. and really navigate health outside of the lens of, you know, dieting and weight loss and that sort of thing. Now I came to this place because I'm a physician. I've been in practice almost 20 years. Uh, I also have a master's degree in public health nutrition. And so this is really not a function of what I learned because what I learned in school was, um, you know, the, the medical education is extremely diet culture influenced. And that is probably news to some people hearing this. Um, what I came to this place was the part that's missing. Like I, I'm filling in the things that I didn't learn in all of that time practicing and schooling and stuff, like really where the rubber meets the road. Like there's so many things that um, just are taken way out of context. Like that's how, that's kind of how this diet culture thing works is there's, it starts with like a, some modicum of actual objective fact, and then it gets marketed into this huge thing. And I, I want people to know really to like rewind and get the truth. And then you make a decision how you're going to deal with it. But I work now with, with women in a um, group coaching model. I also do speaking engagements and stuff. Cause I just think that this is where I'm supposed to be. I feel right about this. Um, I have two kids of my own. I am in middle age. I am in menopause after having cancer treatment a few years ago. Um, so like I am the people that I'm talking to, <laughs> you know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You just said, you said, so I'm like scribbling, scribbling seriously because you oh, said, so awesome you coming out. yes, <laughs> you said so many amazing things in that, in that intro that, um, that are so important of really just the, the thinking about how the medical, please say more about this. <laughs> the medical industry is influenced and or arranged around diet culture. Please talk more about what that means. How well, okay. That? Yeah. And this is, it's horrifying and also not surprising at the same time. But, um, you know, and, and this is the problem is the average person who is just wants to quote, be healthy, who just wants to go to their doctor, get whatever done needs to be done. Um, you know, if somebody in a white coat tells you something, there's this, uh, belief system that it is absolute fact because we, we really hold medical professionals to that standard. Um, and the problem is when the education they get and the training they get is um, biased. I mean, essentially this diet culture, let me, okay, let me back up one second here because I don't want to lose anybody. When I say diet culture, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a diet, like, you know, the keto diet or the Weight Watchers diet or something. I'm talking about the systematic beliefs in our country and many other westernized countries that there's three components to it in my opinion it's that weight and health are the same thing mm -hmm. which they are which they are not that um you know smaller is better and everybody should be pursuing smallness and that that is in your immediate control to do so which is also false and then number three is that this is your responsibility in life, especially if you're an adult woman, that if you're not either shrinking yourself or attempting to shrink yourself or maintain the shrunken version of yourself, you are not doing the right thing. Okay, and that's worthy. Yeah, you're not worthy. Okay. So that is, that is diet culture. When I say diet culture, that's just sort of the term I use, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about this whole set of beliefs and everything points back to that. Okay. I mean, our media, the food industry, the labeling, the choices in restaurants, the clothing industry, the medical, I mean, like it is everywhere. Yeah. So, so I had to say that first because then to say that, um, healthcare is not exempt from that influence. All right. It, we, doctors and dietitians and therapists and everybody else are just people Okay, so we only know as much as we know, which is what we've been taught, which is also um, influenced by our personal belief system. I mean, it just is, you know, and 
I preached and teached and taught and advocated for all these diet culture values for the first, you know, 15 years of me being a doctor, because that's what was sort of the, um, you know, that's the thematic thread that everything points back to. And you're taught that. And, you know, when you're in medical school, um, there's so much to learn. Okay. Like you don't have really time to be cynical about it and mm -hmm. like go and do your own personal investigation of every single thing that's being taught to you. Like at some point you have to just assume that the professor with the gray hair and the bow tie is telling you a fact and you just, you kind of run with it because you don't have time. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everything is set up for you. There's no, there's not a lot of wiggle room when you're in a rigorous program graduates, you know, graduate program, you're, you're, you're just like pushing through to the next. And, and it's sad to even think of that because we want to think about the ability to crit, crit, think critically <laughs> and cynically right. sometimes, but yes, you're right because you are the, the benchmarks are set in front of you of, okay, you have to do this. And, and now that you're done with that, now you must do this or portfolio. And then it's your research study, or then it's the clinicals and then it's residency, right? So it's all of the things and you must get to the end. And now there's this part of you that has the freedom or ability to do the step back kind of right and that okay so that's where i got to this so people ask me all the time like have you always thought like this and i was like oh no i was under the influence of all of this um because i'm not exempt from it either right but what happened is uh you know i mentioned that i had cancer about four and a half years ago and in that sort of like forced pause right um I decided that, and this is this is diet culture speaking, okay? This is from a person in their 40s who has been dieting since they were a teenager, lived through the 80s and 90s, all that stuff. And I thought, okay, there's got to be one perfect human diet that will improve my health and keep me from dying. Like I, in my head, there was like that thing and I just hadn't found it yet. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for 35 years and I just hadn't found it yet. Okay, well then... I'm going to find it. That was like my crusade. Well, I decided to, t I had the time. I mean, if you want to call it a luxury, I had six months where I wasn't working. So I sort of had the time and I started reading, watching documentaries, listening to podcasts. And I'm talking about reading like journal articles, not reading like Instagram. Okay. Yeah, right. And I was mortified that I couldn't find this evidence to support what I basically all this diet culture belief system that I had been taught. Hmm. And so then I was like, huh, well, this is interesting. Maybe, um, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm like outdated. Maybe I'm, you know, behind, like you just sort of blame yourself. I mean, it's like, well, I've been in practice 15 years, maybe something changed and I didn't keep up with it. So I did what any good, you know, Enneagram three does is you go to grad school to find the answer to a question. <laughs> Again, again, let's let's make sure we say you go to grad school again. <laughs> uh, yeah, so go to grad school, and I that's where I went back to start studying nutrition, and and you know a lot of the people that I went to school with in that program ultimately went to do internships and become registered dietitians. So that's kind of the background, and I was horrified because it was the same stuff. Like I, they're teaching the same stuff in 2017 that I learned in 1998 in medical school. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you see them that, that all by itself, you don't even have to know anything else besides that. And that should be like a major red flag because, um, science evolves all the time. Oh yes. If we were using 20, 30, 40 year old surgical equipment and 20, 30, 40 year old, you know, um, procedures. And I mean, like you wouldn't do that, right? Like we, we have, a, we accept that it, evolves but for some reason this nutrition and i'm doing air quotes here sort of is given like this pass like it never changes because it's you know just food and somebody that said something in the 1950s you know that's like kind of good enough and so we're just going to run with that and um it's really horrifying but the the thing is that once you start learning about this you cannot unsee this. I mean, this is like emerging from the matrix. And once you realize what diet culture is, where it influences you, 
where it influences all of us, you you see it at every turn. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that you like forget what it looks like. And now you go back to the other way of thinking. Like when you come to the other side, you're on the other side. Yeah. So I, I, and that makes me curious to think about, you talked about one of the services that you offer now in your profession um, is a group coaching program. So I'm wondering how, what does that look like and how, how do, how do you use this to then help people accomplish something that they are looking to accomplish? What did, what does that look like? Well, I'll tell you what, most of the women, I, I won't say most, I would say every single person that is in my audience, whether they're just kind of following along with me or whether they're in my program, they are just fed up thinking about this. Like they're over it. You know, they are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. They have been thinking about food ev- for hours every day of their life for several decades. And they just want to get all that emotional energy and time and money and personal resources back. And they're, they're not in it to win a bikini contest. They're not in it to, you know, uh, get hitched. I mean, there's, they just want peace with with Mm -hmm. the food, with their body image. They don't want this to be like just the process of eating and cooking and shopping being like this all consuming life consuming thing like it has been. So that's where they're starting from. And, I don't have to do a lot of convincing to tell people that diets don't work. I mean, there is lots of scientific evidence that weight loss focused diets don't work. I mean, they don't work. And if, if they had warning labels on them, the way that we do with, you know, pharmaceuticals and, you know, lawn chemicals, like nobody would ever buy them. Um, But so I don't have to do a lot of convincing that diets don't work because these women have already tried that. Like they are their own, uh, evidence that they've been on, you know, the average woman in their like fifties has been on something like, I don't know, it's horrifying, like 49 diets or something crazy like that. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm just saying that off the top of my head, but it's a high number. It's a horrifyingly high number. So the people that are like done with diets and they know they don't work, but then the, the problem where they're stuck is then what? Like, so what? Okay. So I don't want to diet. I get it. It doesn't work. It's frustrating. I hate everything about it, but I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't know that there is any other way to think, any other way to approach food or cooking or shopping. Like, what's next? Because to be honest, even though we hate diets, we all hate diets. Even the, And here's the interesting part as a side note. The people that sell diet programs know that we don't like diets because they don't use the word diet anymore. Mm. I mean, that they're, they're really, right. really slick business people. I mean, that's like, I I think I put this on my Instagram a few weeks ago. It's like, if you went to the Toyota dealership and said, I'd like to buy a new car. And they said, Oh ma'am, we don't sell cars here. We only have vehicles. Right. You're like, well, it looks like a car. Oh, well, we don't call it a car here at Toyota. It's a vehicle. You know I mean? It's like, it's that, uh, it's that asinine. Mm. (laughs) It really is. So so the people, so anyway, so diet culture knows the diet programming, the diet industry, they know we don't like diet. So that's why they steal all these other words about, you know, health journey and wellness and all this, you know, stuff. But the bottom line is it's a security blanket for a lot of people. Like it provides a structure, even if it's miserable, even if it's time consuming and energy sinking and totally self-deprecating, it is something to do. And when you take that away people get really disoriented and lost. So that's what my program does is kind of, okay, there is another way to think and approach food and shop and cook and, you know, kind of relate to your body that does not involve dieting. So I have to like replace, I have to replace that structure because if you say quit your diet, and then there's nothing else, and it's just right. like this free-for-all type thing. Yeah. That's really it's uncomfortable. It's scary and unsettling for people because, like you said, most women – well, I mean, yeah, let's just say it. Most women at some point have been dieting for decades, right? Like yeah. by the time 40s, 50s, 60s come, and, and maybe even if not calling it dieting, 
thinking about, obsessing about, being preoccupied about food for years and years and years and years. So to to take them to a different place, it's like, okay, but then what? Like it's a scary, unsettling thing to think yes. of what then what I'm gonna what am I gonna do? What next? So I'm sort of like the what next yeah. uh you know person that okay, here's what we do. And and there's it's not all just uh, kumbaya and like, let's talk about our mindset. There is many, many aspects of our thinking that have to change, but it's also like real tactical things. Like what do I actually do? Like, what do I actually eat? What do I buy? How do I cook it? You know, cause we can talk about mindset and we should talk about mindset, but at the end of the day, you still have to actually deal with the food, like the right. food. Yeah, it, it incorporate, you're incorporating not only the thoughts and the mindset, but the actions, which is absolutely necessary if, if we're going to make any shift that's, that's exactly. positive. So, you know, and I don't, oh, I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't, I don't even know what to call what I do, honestly, because I hate the word health and wellness. Like, the, so the diet culture has stolen all of the words, <laughs> you know, diet by itself didn't used to be like a bad word. I mean, a diet just means a set of foods that you eat. Yes. But now it means weight loss. And health used to mean like your body was functioning optimally and your risk of disease and death was low. But now it means weight loss. And well, wellness used to mean that you had, a, you know, good attention to physical, mental, emotional health, and you had like this sort of a high quality of life. And now it means weight loss. And so there's no more words. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, you know, and it's, and you can tell, I mean, this is, you can tell what's being searched, what's being, um, you know, what are the headlines kind of, because they, they are sneaky that the diet industry in the United States, and this is just in the United States is about $80 billion a year. Hmm. Um, and, and, this is a global problem. All right. I have people, I have women all the time from Europe, Australia, Canada, South Africa, all kinds of crazy places that are, you know, pretty much in line with our American values in terms of this aspect, you know, this like women just need to be constantly micromanaging our bodies and that we can do that, which is not even really how the body works, and that we should do that. Yeah. And we're stuck and burnt out. Girl, by the time you're 40, 50, 60 years old, you are just done. Yeah. So when I love, um, I you mentioned Instagram, and I must, must, must bring up your Instagram. And um, I'm going to let you tell us where, where to find you. But before that, I want to say, I am loving your Instagram so much. I laugh hysterically. And I think one of the things that's so, it just really pulls into our awareness, the ludicrousness, <laughs> is that even a word, of some of the, the taglines that we hear about that, that you're saying that all these, the, the diet industry and, and diet culture use, health and wellness um, use to make us kind of stay trapped, stay stuck in this, in this world of diet culture. Um, so tell us your Instagram handle. And I titled this talk, Trash the Scale, Use Your List, because that was a recent post that you made that I absolutely loved. So I want to hear more about what, what you mean by that and how, um, how that what that? Yeah, tell us what that means. Well, so my Instagram is Maggie Landis MD, and that's my website. That's my handle everywhere because I just made it easy like that. But you know, here's the thing: is I didn't want my audience, my potential audience, to see me as another doctor talking about health and wellness because most people have, I'll put myself included in that, have totally lost faith in what the you know, quote, experts are telling them about health and wellness for all the reasons that I already sort of we talked about already. There's um, unless your doctor has specifically done this kind of independent study, you have a pretty reasonable chance of um, being stigmatized if, by diet culture and weight stigma in their office because that's how it is. I mean, the the probability of that happening is more likely than not. So 
um, I didn't want to show up on social media and on my website and on my programming as like the doctor expert. Now, of course, I, I have credibility. I've been doing this for a long time and I am an expert in medicine, but um, I want everybody to know that I have the same problem. Like I have the same issues. I have the same feelings about my body and my experience trying to feed my family, trying to find clothes I like, trying to navigate the healthcare system. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, the snarky humor part, that's just, that's my deal. That, I mean, that, that, honestly, that's how I've always been my whole I life. It. I love it. Yeah. I, when I was younger, people used to tell me I should be like a stand-up comedian or something. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, when I, I'm probably, I hope my, my mom won't be listening to this. She's not really a podcast person, but I would like, listen to um what's her name rosie o'donnell when she did like a stand-up spotlight on showtime like this a zillion years ago and i was watching it way earlier than the age that was appropriate to be watching that late night stand-up comedy but um yeah i guess i'm living vicariously through instagram but the but the deal the recent post about trash the scale and use the list so when i ask people why they, cause you know, everybody wants to lose weight. There's this thing about losing weight. All right. And some people will, they, they kind of, they understand that that sounds really vain. And so they sort of couch it in this, well, I want to be healthy. I want to feel better in my skin. I want to have energy or glow or whatever the word is like what you're talking about is weight loss. Okay. Um, and what you're pursuing is weight loss. So let's yeah, just call, call a spade a spade. I have to pause you there because I want everybody who's listening to this podcast right now to stop and think about the last time you used one of these phrases. I want to feel healthy. I mean, I'm going to say myself, right? Like I'm going, I need to, you know, get healthy and I'm going to make, and, and of course we, we want to be healthy, but like, I love this, this point that you're making of we we've even learned the savvy of we don't use the word diet anymore we use these phrases so i'm just inviting people the listeners to stop think about your own life and think about when you've done this yourself and 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 just yeah right well so here's here's where i stop everybody is when you say why do you want to lose weight and you say to be healthy because that's that is 99 out of 100 times the conversation that i have with people okay i want to be healthy and what makes you believe that being at a lower weight will make you healthier? And then there's like this total radio silence because you don't know any more than that. All you know is you've been told that being smaller is healthier, but you actually have no like intellectual reason why that would be the case, right? We, I mean, right, Liz? It's sort yeah. of like- No, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. So it's like- I okay. started to think as you were talking, I, I think I jumped to thinking about the other, those, the things on the list that what's beyond the, the small, like feeling smaller, losing weight, because those do have credibility. So I, I'm with you. Well, yeah. So then that's my question is I say, so then when they say that and they have no answer, that's how that goes. And then I say, okay, so what will your life be like? Let's say you are smaller. Let's say you get to whatever this, uh, you know, visionary, fantastical goal you have is if you were in that body, what would you have that you don't have right now? Mm. And, and that's where the list comes. And they say, well, I'd be more confident. I'd be sexier. I'd have more energy. I'd sleep better. I'd be able to, you know, play on the adult softball team, blah, 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 whatever the thing is. Okay. Now those are actual tangible goals, right? Yes. Okay. So what if we could make those the goals and just leave the scale out of it. Love like it. if you want to sleep better, I have lots of ideas. If you want to have more energy, I have lots of ideas. If you want to improve your flexibility or your joint pain or whatever, I have lots of ideas. Like why do we have to associate smaller? Because here's the, the truth. This is the hard truth. There is somebody right now in the body that you think is uh, this panacea, and they are thinking the exact same thing and looking to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like it's never enough. Right. Say it, that part, say that, that part again. I think what you, what I'm, what, I, how I'm interpreting that is even, so we're focused on the wrong thing, 
right? We're, we're so focused on getting smaller, losing the weight that the, the actual things we want to know that we could feel happier, more joyful, more fulfilled, more connected, you know, more love and true and authentic. We get so stuck on the, the number on the scale the goal of losing weight, the goal of getting smaller or measuring the biceps or the waist and, and the inches and centimeters or whatever, that, that that we never or never feel or even recognize the things in our lives right now that you can use to, to, to accomplish those other goals that you actually want to feel more connected because right. you're preventing connection by your focus on the number. You're, you're, you're not letting your partner touch you because you don't feel sexy. And really it's, it's, it's the focus on that number or the, the body weight or the body shape or size. That's the block, not the body because, shape size number. Right. And so, and to say that uh, even another way, I tell people, okay, I hate before and after pictures. Like, I just hate it. That's a whole other show we can talk about. But the way that I, that I say this is that you, right now, every single one of you, including me, including you, Liz, we are already somebody else's after, okay? Mm -hmm. Right now. Yeah. So do you want to turn around and tell that person, actually, this isn't perfect. Like, actually, I'm not that happy. Actually, I don't feel like I'm in that good of a marriage. Actually, I'm not doing that great at my job. Actually, my kids won't talk to me. Actually, whatever. Like, it's not, there's nothing magic about the size of your body. There are people in large bodies that have extremely fulfilled, connected, innovative, creative, happy lives. And there are people in little teeny tiny bodies that are a complete wreck. So could we for a second think that perhaps those things are independent of each other? And if we want to be happy, healthy, fulfilled, connected, loved, accepted, energetic, all the things, that's great. That is valuable. That let's talk about that. Liz can talk about that. I can talk about that. That's let's let's focus on that. But losing 20 pounds or 50 pounds or 200 pounds, that's not what gets you there. Right. Yeah. Love it. And that's like a huge relief. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not responsible for micromanaging my body, but I am responsible for, um, you know, sort of pursuing mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health to my best of my abilities if I desire to do so. Yeah. And I want to say one thing that maybe helps people, like helps this point drive it home and resonate is when you are with someone, whether it's yourself or someone else, that you're having a nice time, you're feeling connected, whether whatever you're doing, whether you're at a meal or just at a gathering or just with someone, and that person then says something derogatory about their own body, like, Ugh, well, I can't have that because I'm fat, or I can't, well, nope, I'm not eating that this week because... Ugh, look at me. I just can't, I can't find anything to wear. Oh, I just, right. Like those words block, just throw a wrench into, what do you say? What do you say to the, what do you say to con maintain connection there? It's a very much disruptive type of dynamic that comes into relationships that it pulls us out of the moment. Oh, absolutely. And here's, here's a parallel and related side note please stop congratulating and praising everybody for losing weight if they are losing weight. Because like, let's just make a pact, all of us ladies, <laughs> let's just not talk about anybody else's body, no matter what shape, what size, whether it's getting bigger, smaller, turning, you know, blue and green polka dots. Like, let's just not, like, let's just not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? So it's, um, cause here's the problem when you tell somebody like, Oh, I haven't seen you in so long, Liz, you look great. You look like you lost a little bit of weight. Okay. Here's what you're saying. Smaller is better. Yeah. All, all you're doing is amplifying this narrative that smaller is better. And here's the thing I have like, I, I mean, and this, this happens all the time. People 
are stressed. They are losing weight because they're going through a divorce or grieving a loved one, or they don't have money to buy food and there's food insecurity, or they have cancer or they have some chronic disease or whatever. And now all they've heard from you is, or they have an eating disorder. That's like probably the most common one is that you're basically congratulating them on having an eating disorder. And all they hear is, well, shoot, I better keep this up. Right. Because, because I'm more accepted, I'm more loved, I'm more valuable, I'm more um, included. And, and this goes for doctors too. Doctors say this to the patients. They have patients with eating disorders right in front of them in their office. And when they weigh the patient and they say, oh, that's great. You've lost however many pounds since last year. And they don't even ask how the person got there. I mean, that is... In my in my brain, that's like frankly, that's like malpractice. Right. Um, I'm so glad you brought up that. I'm so glad. Yes, because um, the statistics on disordered eating in our country oh, are yeah, right. Like it's bad, bad, and and it is getting worse exponentially, like month over month over month through the course of you know the last several years, and it, it, people are getting sicker. There are more people with eating disorders and disordered eating. They are younger. Um, They're more diverse. Like eating disorders is not the skinny, white, anorectic, wealthy, teenage white girl. Like it's not, that's not the face of eating disorders anymore. Um, And if we don't ask, I'm talking for health professionals, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, we are doing a tremendous disservice to our patient's health. Yeah. And I love that you um, said that part too, about talking to as medical professionals, because one of the things that you mentioned doing is speaking engagements and also consulting with physicians to help, um, help shift this culture. So I want to hear a little bit about that too, because uh, we can talk to the the people like us, right? Like the people out there listening who are struggling with this and kind of maybe it's, maybe you're resonating with it and you're thinking, yes, I agree. Oh my gosh, this sounds lovely. I'm so excited. And then there may be people out there who are like, what, what else is there? Right. And so sometimes it's that when you said systemic, you're, you're not only helping women out there who are, you know, moms and, and, women going through the everyday, you are also helping physicians do better in their practice and giving them the lens too, which I love. I love so much. Well, and, and that is the hardest part because, um, a lot of, you know, and, and this includes physicians, dietitians, you know, uh, psychologists, physical therapists. I mean, there's a lot of people that deal with either patients or clients um, who need to understand, like the first step is I don't want anybody to make this worse. I would like at a minimum for you to have a neutral level of participation in diet culture, right? So let's just first not make the problem worse. And then if you're willing to be open-minded and willing to be an advocate, I would love for everybody to help make it better. But that's a big ask. Like at first, I just want you to not make it worse. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know? And, um, I, I, I don't, I want to make clear, I'm not blaming individual people. Okay. I don't have a problem with like an individual doctor, an individual dietitian because they probably don't know. They really, truly probably don't know. They're also in a practice environment that is totally not set up to support this kind of learning. All right. I mean, doctors have maybe 10 minutes with their patients on a good day. Okay. And that's, We've been talking like, what, three or four times that long. We're not even hardly scratching the surface. So the idea that a doctor in a 10-minute visit once a year or twice a year can unpack all of this on top of everything else that they're supposed to talk about is frankly unrealistic. Um, and the the diet culture is is there. I mean, it's it's in the room. It's why when you go to get a mammogram and you may not be able to fit into the gown while you're sitting in the waiting room and it doesn't close in the front because the biggest size they have is an extra large mm-hmm. and half of the women wear bigger than that size, you know? So it's, it's stuff like that. Like that's diet culture. Okay. The fact that they don't have the right equipment for patients, they don't have the right chairs in the waiting room. They don't have the right, um, they have diet culture. Um, and it's subtle, you know, I mean, well, of course there are 
not subtle things like when a medical professional is selling these like MLM products in their office. That to me is a total conflict of interest. But, um, you know, even besides that, there's these little subtle things about the photographs and the copy and the language and the handouts that are given to patients and the chairs in the waiting room and where the scale is in the office. And is it optional to participate in that and all like stuff I want to kind of undiet the medical practice. Cause I think we have a responsibility to practice medicine and not practice diet culture. Yeah. I love that. You know, but the, it's hard. It's a hard, it's a tough sell. It, you know, uh, these like sort of menopausal middle-aged moms who join my coaching program, it's, it's not a hard sell to them because they are looking to change. They yeah. want out. Something. Yes. Yeah. Something, something different. Absolutely. Doctors who are set in their ways and their belief system and have been handing out pictures of the food pyramid since 1977 are, um, you know, it, it's a tough thing to say, I think I might have been doing this wrong. Right. And, and I think you said years, yeah. the time, you know, who has time, right? And and I think that is a something we hear a lot of and it's not a good, it's not valid. <laughs> it's not a valid excuse to ignore some of these things and and in the very basic what you said is like the neutral approach of like don't do more harm but the the first i guess one of the first steps is is really taking a step back and looking at the language we use even a few minutes ago you said when we greet someone and we're like you look great did you lose weight right like stop at you look great <laughs> you know even it, or or don't you don't even need to comment on the appearance. And I say this and I, I've, I've, we've talked about this before. I mean, when I say we, I've in my program and in, and in conversations with friends and, and colleagues is we just have that tendency to comment on appearance right away rather than just kind of saying, how well, are you Yeah, doing? and we're conditioned to do that because what do we tell to a three-year-old girl mm -hmm. when they dress up as a Disney princess? What's the first thing is, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. I mean, we, we are trained particularly with women, you know, and this doesn't not affect men, but it affects, it is targeted towards women is why I keep talking about that. Um, you know, so it's just what we do and it's what we do when we meet our friends for brunch. And it's what we do as a doctor when we see the patient in the exam room and see those that's not okay. Like that's not yeah. okay. That's not okay with me. And it should not be okay with you. And once you start thinking about all the interactions with every touch point, you know, like it's the food industry. I mean, why, why would I want to buy a bag of uh, cookies that says guilt-free snacking? Well, guess what? I don't have guilt about anything I eat. I'm not, I'm not guilty when I eat a carrot. I'm not guilty when I eat a chip. I'm not guilty when I, I mean, like that shouldn't be the language. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it, we're up against. And so this is what I tell people I work with. I said, listen, we're on these coaching calls and they're all like fired up like me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, this sucks. We're taking this down. No more. Woo. But I mean, we can hang up this zoom call and you got to go back out into the world. And until the world changes, which I do believe it will, I really do. I'm not all Debbie Downer about this. I, I do see little glimmers of hope that this is going to change. But until that happens, part of my uh, responsibility to my clients is to give them sort of resilience and these <laughs> personal tools so that they can navigate what is going to be a challenging interaction in the real world. Yeah. Love you that. know, and um, I, but see, this is the, this is like kind of the last like ism, this, this health stigmatizing stigmatism, you know, this sort of anti-fat ism that we have, this um, cultural belief is the last person getting a seat at the table. Like, I mean, and this is, this is going to sound pretty um, abrupt when I say this, but if we treated elderly people, disabled people, gay people, black people, the way that we treat fat people, we would be at the Supreme Court. I mean, it is, it is, and I'm not saying that we have fixed all of those other issues. We certainly have not, but it is a mainstream conversation for people of all genders, sexes, races, ages, ability levels to have the basic human privileges. Yes. And it, it we have not 
done that adequately for people in different size bodies. Right. There's oppression, right? There's oppression when you when you label some of the the groups that have been marginalized in our in our society and our culture. Absolutely, um, this is this comes into play for sure. Yeah. So we so we can sort of like, but I think that people like me and people like you and people that are listening to this that even if they do nothing else except for just think about this for ten minutes after we turn off this podcast, like to me that's a win, right? Like. Yeah. It's got to start somewhere. I mean, all of cultural uh, revolutions start somewhere. So, right. and paying attention to to language too, right? Just paying attention to language and what how you're using it is right. right. And why? The key question, you know, the key question to ask yourself is when you're making a decision, when you're making a comment, when you have a belief. Why is that? Just ask yourself. Why? Because that's where you're going to decide if the kind of support for your decision is adequate or not adequate. You know, because people ask me all the time, they're like, well, what if I like, you know, eating low carb or am I allowed to be a vegetarian? Am I, I said, listen, just ask yourself why? Yes. Like, I mean, if you want to be a vegetarian because you have this moral conviction about killing animals for food, great. Be a vegetarian. If you're going to be a vegetarian because you read some article on Instagram that vegetarians are skinny or something, that's not a good reason, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think that's a great point to bring in. We're n I, I don't want anyone listening to think we're saying just, just throw everything away that, that you kind of know about yourself, right? Like if you know that when you eat this certain kind of food, you're sluggish and your stomach hurts or you're having indigestion more often, that's that's also something to pay attention to, right? Like it's being in tune with your body and what you're saying, your values, your beliefs, your what it how it how it resonates with you, what it does to you on on those different levels. Are, I would say part of that list that you that we talked about before the the you know, rather yes. than focusing on the number on the scale or the the inches on your measuring tape, there's other things. Use your list of how do you know you're feeling good? How do you know you you can feel fulfilled and healthy and connected and loved? That's the list. What are the okay. other things in your life that you call into play to feel? And and you have them now, right now. We're, we're always waiting in this culture in our society. Like, I'll be happy when I can lose 10 pounds. I'll be happy when I can fit into that outfit. Or I'll be happy when dot, 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 this job changes or right. blah, blah, blah. Like, so now, now's the time to look at what you have. And here's the good thing is that when you um, start focusing on things that are in your control, within your control, then you can start kind of like winning. I mean, you start getting those early, like, yes, this is better. This works. This feels good. Because when you're trying to control something, your weight, that is not in your control, which it is not. And that's a biology lesson. We'll have another podcast about that. But yeah. <laughs> it's when you're trying to control something that's not in your control, that is the most self-defeating endeavor possible. Right. Um, and, you know, it's like, it, it's just, it makes me sad when people watch their lives go by waiting for this like uh, magic thing to happen that may or may not happen, more likely not. Um, and they miss what they could potentially do right now. Yes. 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 That is, that is my, that's my jam here. Yes. <laughs> work. I want to ask you, so speaking of, of my jam and, and that connection that we have, um, one of the things that I focus very much on in, in my coaching programs is the nurturing yourself from all aspects. So body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. And I always love to ask my guests, when you think about your own personal life, professional life, all the things, where do you go? What do you draw on as like maybe a primary thing that you're, that you know helps you the best if when you're focusing on feeling good, body, mind, heart, soul, spirit, what, what would you say is your go-to? Well, gosh, I have lots of go-tos, but 
here's here's an answer that might surprise you. I love reading, and I read almost exclusively nonfiction personal development books. Don't I sound like a big nerd? <laughs> but I, the reason I love that so much is not because I like idolize these authors or thought leaders. It's because it makes me suddenly realize the world is so much bigger, you know. And I, when I'm feeling sort of stressed and down and just kind of beat up. It's because I'm not looking big enough. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting at that 30,000 foot view. I'm just like in the weeds. And so um, I like reading a lot. I like, I mean, you know, and I've got, I like going outside. I like girl, I like taking naps. I am a, a believer. I like to, um, pray sometimes. I cook like crazy. See, cooking is like therapeutic to me. Um, and it's creative and it's kind of nerdy, just like what I like to do. But, um, you know, I just, you have to kind of realize what there is. And I was not like this before I had cancer. I am so grateful that I went through that experience because it let me, um, appreciate what's in my life and what I have the ability to draw into my life. And um, everybody should have a near-death experience where they don't actually die, really, truly. But the problem is if you knew that you didn't, you weren't going to die and there wasn't that like looming mortality, then it wouldn't have the same impact, the same psychological impact. So I, I think it's, you know, kind of a tough, uh, <laughs> a tough thing to <laughs> take on. But but that is what it was, is really, truly, and, and may, many of your listeners have probably had a similar experience where they just about lost everything. And you realize at that moment, like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to spend so much time arguing with my husband or counting almonds or, you know, uh, punishing my children or running on the treadmill or whatever things you do that are not really in line with your values. You know, just it, there's no time for that. Yeah. And I love you called it a forced pause. And so what, and I think people may be able to kind of think about in their own lives that when there's been a forced pause, and I think globally, we've all had some, you know, aspect of a forced pause with, with pandemic over the last year and a half. And, and I, and as it's terrifying and horrifying to know the, the catastrophic results of what has happened. And a lot of people that I've talked to about it is there was an ability to um, see a silver lining or something came out of the, the forced pause. And so I love that, that point that you make um, because what we want is peace. And so being able to pause, whether you have to force it or not. So I know in my own life, I must put, into action like uh, i have to tell myself stop pause i have to schedule it in or it doesn't happen right? right and so um i think that that is also a great opportunity you know and a, and a great point but i want to get to a fun part of our of our of our meeting today our podcast today is i do with all of my guests called this or that right? <gasps> Ooh, so, fun this or that. It's just a little fun game. So I told you that we would be doing it. I just didn't tell you what the this or that is. So basically the, the goal is, the idea is I'm going to give you two things. You tell me which one is more up your alley. Okay. Um, okay. So number one, sunrise or sunset? Ooh, sunset, hands down. Um, I don't know why. I just think it's prettier. Okay. Love it. I love that. I don't, have, I don't have a good reason aside from that. That's okay. You don't, and, and you don't even need a reason, <laughs> but I love to hear it. Um, okay. Number two, driving the car or navigating? Oh, <laughs> driving. I love driving. And here, in, in fact, here's the interesting thing is that my husband is a police officer. And so he drives his personal vehicle like a police officer. Um, oh. And so I can't stand it. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I mean, like, it's just this, like, accelerate and brake and fast turn. And just, like, <laughs> like it's, it is like riding in a cop car, even oh though it's, God. like, yeah. And I'm, like, boy, you aren't going to drive my Honda Pilot. Like, we're all up <laughs> at this Dodge Charger thing here. So driving. So I try to drive as much as I can. I love, I actually really love driving. I've always loved driving. 
Okay. So, I'm the driver. And last one, number three, dessert or appetizers? Oh, see, you made this too easy for me. Appetizers. I am. I thought that one might be hard. No, you know what? I'm the salty, crunchy person. So I will take popcorn, French fries, you know, chips over ice cream or sweets any day of the week, any day of the week. I can like sniff out a French fry from like 500 miles away. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I would go with the appetizers. And if it has melted cheese, then I'm all in. I wonder, I was just think I had this thought because I similarly am an appetizers fan. I, that's my favorite part of events and gatherings. I could, I could just buy, and maybe this is it. By the time I get to the main meal and dessert, I have no room left, but I wondered if I never tried to swap it and say, well, maybe I'll start with dessert and then see if I like appetizers. Well, that's true. You know, there is something that sort of temporal association with dessert is like, it's too late to the game, right? Yeah. Well, and I do like, like if we have, uh, you know, I will eat like birthday cake in the morning. If we have like leftover at somebody's birthday or something, you know, that makes a pretty good breakfast. Cheesecake is a pretty Mm. good breakfast. Um, But I'm still going to go with the this or that. I'm going to go with the appetizers. Okay. And, um, we, I did briefly mention that we, how we met, we, um, we are both coaches in the unstuck entrepreneur program with Sean Miner. And I just wanted to come circle back to that because I said we were going to talk about it, but we, we are, we, you know, we're talkers. So we, <laughs> we've been talking about lots you should of have known better, right? <laughs> um, but I am so grateful for that program and finding you and connecting with you and, and you, you, you know, we've referenced it throughout this talk of the community that we have in that program to, to be able to, you know, you, you mentioned the Zoom calls and, and our coaching groups and just really recognizing that space for connection there has been a life changer for me. And I'm so grateful that I met you. Well, I'm so grateful I met you. And yes, yeah, Sean is, you know, she is not running a business. She is growing a community, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's very different. Those two things are very different. And you get different people um in your programming and in your community when you approach it the way that she does. And yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. And the, the women that have worked with us or, you know, with working with us or whatever are just, I mean, that was like, what was that last summer? That was probably a year well, ago. Almost uh, probably right around a year ago today. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, oh, right around like the anniversary. It's like our anniversary, <laughs> Liz. <laughs> And I love celebrating. So if you, if you know, I just celebrate anything. Oh, I should have appetizers. Happy anniversary, <laughs> friend. <laughs> um, okay, one more time. I want to please tell us where we can find you. We didn't even talk about your podcast, the Eatfluencer podcast. But um, so if you just want to find Maggie, that is another place to find her. But tell us, run down it all again, where we can find you and um, yes, and with you. Sure. Well, so my, uh, my handle on all of the social media is Maggie Landis MD. And that's also my website, MaggieLandisMD.com. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Facebook and here's a, here's a, uh, sort of gift I'd like to offer your audience. I have a free Facebook group for women who want to continue these types of conversations with me. Um, it's very active group. I just started a couple months ago and it's a great place to have connection and support so that you don't feel like you're the only one with these issues. Um, and yeah, my podcast too. I like to, I like to talk. So I've got a podcast so that I can at least every week hear myself talk for 30 minutes. <laughs> and your own clubhouse. Oh, clubhouse. Yes. I'm very active on clubhouse. It yeah. just Maggie Landis MD everywhere. You'll find me. Now, I, I lo- thank you so much for this gift. I want, how can people find you on Facebook or just typing in Maggie Landis and the, the group will come up? Um, well, so the easiest way is to send me a direct message through okay. Facebook. The information is also in the link in my Instagram bio and on my website. Perfect. So you basically always- can't miss it. I like to spell things out because I'm a visual person. So when, when we're saying Maggie Landis, it's Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E, Landis, L-A-N-D-E-S. M-D. 
Yes. You got because it. I'm a visual person. So I, when I'm hearing things, I picture them in my mind and I like to spell them out yes. in the air. So um, that is where we can find Maggie. And again, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I've ha- I'm so glad we did this live thing. We saw a couple people popped in to listen for a, a few moments and, um, and joined us in the live. And then this will, I will be posting this on as an episode in the upcoming week. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm excited to continue seeing your journey and being, being with you in this, in this space. Well, thank you so much for having me, Liz. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for connecting on this episode of the podcast, Empowered by Design. For further connection, subscribe to my email list at drliz.com to be sure that you are in the loop for exciting news, events, and resources. You can also follow me on social media at drliz and at Visionistas by Design. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and send this episode to one of your people in order to share the love, spread the power. This podcast is designed to inspire, educate, and empower you to pursue your dreams with intentional vision. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for psychological treatment or a working relationship with a licensed mental health professional. For more information on connecting with mental health resources in your area, visit drliz.com and click on resources. Thank you again for connecting and remember, trust the heart, work your vision, dream, design, deliver.